What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 133 of the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and in this episode, I share my June and July 2019 writing stats, a writing tip that I picked up along the way. I tell you about what I've been reading. I share some results from ad marketing my debut novel, Fractal. Links to purchase, if you're interested, by the way, are in the episode notes. And finally, for the half dozen or so super fans of my debut novel, Fractal, I've added a bit of a twist to this free writing session episode. Instead of what I normally do, which is grab one of my notebooks and read you a random uh, free writing piece from the past that I then transcribe and put up on my website at sponsor.com forward slash free writing for you folks to check out. Instead of reading and reflecting on those types of pieces and seeing how horrible they were, or if there are some gems within that still resonate, I am going to share with you what I have so far for the continuation of Fractal, the second novel that is underway. But don't get too excited. It's literally only three scenes, which is probably actually more like two and a half scenes. And it's completely raw, first draft. Uh, It still will be true, actually, to the free writing session spirit. Because as I've shared with you guys in the past, the way I begin... My fictional writing, whether it's a short story, which you can check out, by the way, at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, if you want to pick one up, completely free, um, or a novel, I begin by free writing, usually in a notebook, until I get a good grasp of like the direction that I want to go in, or at least until I gain like some momentum uh, while writing, and then I transcribe that to the computer, and my writing program, which is Scribner, and then just continue from there. But it is free writing. Even when I get on the computer or on the Scrivener app on my phone, which I, which all, not all, I would say 90% of what I'm going to share with you guys later on in this episode was written on my phone in the Scrivener app on the subway while on my way to work to my nine to five. I feel like you get some, some good writing done. In that that hour or so uh, time frame in the morning. And it feels like productive, you know? And productive towards something that I actually want to be doing. It also helps me, I think, for my day in general. Because, you know, it gets me, wakes me up, gets me going, gets the creative juices flowing. And I wrote, I'd say, like a good good half or at least third of Fractal, um, my debut novel. I wrote it that way on the subway. Then obviously I would like polish it up, you know, second, third, fourth draft and stuff like that. But um, what this is, this is first draft, completely raw. I haven't gone back to like read almost any of it because uh, what I do is like I'll write, 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 write. Then the next day that I pick it up, I'll like read like the previous paragraph just to refresh my memory or the last paragraph that I wrote just to refresh my memory and then pick up where I left off and just continue writing, writing, writing. 
without like too much regard for grammar and punctuation or poetic prose quote-unquote so definitely take everything that i'm going to share with you with a grain of salt and also don't be surprised if when the second novel comes out you know the beginning is like completely different but also don't be surprised if it's very close to what i share with you guys today so it could go either way anyways i thought it might be a fun thing to do and to share with you guys that might be interested in where the the story is headed i know i left the uh, first book off on a bit of a cliffhanger so this is going to answer some of those questions at least the way i have them answered in my mind so far and i thought it would be cool just to be able to capture this moment in time creatively with respect to the second novel on the nascent stages and then once it's out come back and reflect on this episode compared to the actual final product similar to how i shared the initial uh four or five uh, f- uh free written pages of fractal which was initially meant to be a short story that i started writing in my notebook and then you know just continued growing and and taking on a life of its own and the rest is history i shared that with you guys in one of the previous episodes dedicated completely to fractal and how i wrote my debut novel so basically aside from this episode being you know a standalone interesting episode hopefully knock on wood in and of itself when you uh fast forward in time to when the second novel is out this episode will make that much more sense once I rope it into the episode that I'll inevitably do in the future about publishing my second novel. Anyways, I digress. Stick around if you think you'd be interested in any of that stuff. But first, here's a way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast. If you'd like to help support the podcast financially, you can do so in a couple of different ways. You can become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash spun today. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash spun today. There you can choose to make a financial contribution. You can choose to donate on a per episode basis. I normally release two episodes per month, so if you choose to donate, that would be two bucks a month. If you choose to donate a thousand bucks per episode, it'll be a couple grand a month. Chump change, right? Also, depending on your commitment level, when you become a patron, you get stuff in return, like a shout out here on the podcast or a limited edition spun today bookmark, a piece of free writing that I have not posted to the rest of the public like i do with my spuntoday.com forward slash free writing page you can get free digital copies of my books behind the scenes video footage and much much more again that's patreon.com forward slash spuntoday if you'd like to become a patron another way you can help support financially but in a way that does not cost you anything out of pocket which sounds counterintuitive right is by shopping at amazon.com but doing so with my affiliate link you might ask 
What's an affiliate link, Tony? And the answer to that question is waiting for you at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you go there, you'll see an Amazon banner. When you click on that specific Amazon banner, it takes you to amazon.com where you do your shopping like you normally do. But because you visited my website first, Amazon sees that as me driving traffic to their website. They see it as me telling you, hey, you should go shop at Amazon. And they're appreciative of that. So much so that Amazon winds up paying me a commission based on whatever you purchase. And it does not cost you anything extra. So again, to support in this fashion, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and click on the Amazon banner and continue to do your shopping like you normally do. Alrighty, my writing stats for June and July 2019. I definitely stepped it up a notch from the previous, I think it was like three months after uh, publishing the novel. I definitely slacked off, I feel, especially uh, when it comes to like writing specifically. So I was more focused on like marketing and trying to get like the book out there. And I shared with you guys the the March, April and May uh, writing stats in the previous free, free writing session episode. And now I'm up to June and July. So for June, I stepped it up a bit, not much, but a bit from where it was at. And in June, I wrote 13 out of the 30 days of the month, which is 43.3% of the days. Still not great, but definitely for what I was doing, big improvement. Which again, I I tell this uh, to you guys each time. It's good to keep track of these numbers like this. I just have it like on a simple spreadsheet on Excel, open it up, put the date, uh, month and year, and uh, just write down... Uh, how many days I wrote versus how many days I didn't. And that's just like the like the monthly view. On a day-to-day basis, what I do is I have a desk calendar where I put a, a check mark on days that I actually wrote and an X on days that I did not write. And then at the end of each month, I just count it up, tally it up, and go to my spreadsheet and write down for June, I wrote 13 out of the 30 days, which works out to 43 of the days. I'm not sure, but I just lost sound in my headphones for a bit. And I'm looking at the MP3 recorder, the Roland R05, by the way. And it seems to be recording and capturing everything now, but I'm not sure how much of what I just said you guys missed. So basically what I was saying is my process for logging and tracking these, these numbers as far as my writing stats, which I think is important to keep yourself honest and, and to notice trends when you're fucking up and when you could do better. Uh, this is a good way, at least for me, to look back and catch myself. That's why I noticed that for March, April, and May, I was just sliding down and not doing as much writing as I thought I, I was doing, at least in my own head, because I was preoccupied with marketing and putting out the book. So, And data is good to have in general, right? You don't know what implications it may have in the future and what you can draw from it down the line. Like, you know, simple things like, oh shit, I didn't notice that I didn't write for seven Saturdays in a row. Or, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday for four months consistently I've been writing. You know, I never miss one of those days and see 
what from those days you can apply to the day that you're not writing to see if you can pick up this the writing stats on habitually on the day that you're not writing etc you know like shit like that anyway it's good to keep track and that's how i keep track then in july 2019 i wrote 21 out of the 31 days of the month that was a much stronger writing month and that is a percentage of 67.7 percent of the days so those are my writing stats for the month of June and July in 2019. Now a writing stat that I picked up along the way, like I tell you guys, I you know subscribe to a bunch of newsletters, uh, often from uh, other writers and authors or entrepreneurs. I read their stuff. I read uh, different blogs, websites, listen to tons of podcasts. A few of those are on writing. A few others feature uh, writers and journalists. And I come across uh, things that resonate with me that I think are worth applying to either what I'm doing or just something that I kind of have an inkling that, oh, I'm going to need that. I'm going to need to know that when I get to a certain level. So let me jot that one down. Like, I remember, and this was a long time ago, and I still have this episode saved, and I have no idea when I'm actually going to use it, but just to this point, I remember listening to an episode of the Creative Pen podcast with Joanna Penn, and she's interviewing a publishing attorney, and he's speaking about a bunch of different ways on how to incorporate and at what level of book sales you should incorporate if you're self-published, but he's also speaking about uh, being traditionally published because he came from, from that world and has clients on both sides. And he breaks down like legal differences between distributing your books wide or exclusively. Like for example, like with Amazon and, and KDP Select, you have to be exclusively with them on Kindle, Kindle Unlimited to be enrolled uh, within those, those platforms and to take advantage of like the free promotional tools. Whereas going wide means, you know, having your, your book or books available on multiple platforms like iBooks and Kobo and Scribd, etc. And he goes into like licensing deals for movies and what to look out for in contracts to make sure you you retain your rights and you're not selling the right the rights away, but rather uh, licensing the rights away for a specified period of time, and then you can once you get it back, you can resell to the same. Uh, entity or to someone else etc like a whole bunch of shit like that that again being that i've always had like this goal of one day turning one of one of my books or hopefully more than having the opportunity of hopefully more than one of my books into into movies or tv show or just something on, that i can visually see i save that episode so that i can reference back to it eventually one day but Anyways, I say all that to say that every time I have one of these uh, free writing session episodes, I share with you guys one of those writing tips that resonated with me. And this one is from Derek Sivers. His site is Sivers.org. And this post is specifically at Sivers, S-I-V as in Victor, E-R-S dot org forward slash D as in David, J. So it's the letter D and the letter J. And I'll link to it in the episode notes for your reference. 
And per usual, this is part of a larger article that I recommend you guys read in its entirety. But there was a very specific excerpt that resonated with me. And in part because it's, he references free writing, which I do. And uh, it's fitting, you know, this being a free writing session episode. And also I found interesting what he says in the very beginning of the paragraph which I'm going to share with you guys right now. And he wrote, I always write down my initial thought first, but then question it afterwards with slight detachment and consider different perspectives. I hear this is similar to cognitive behavioral therapy. And I've been meaning to learn more more about that. But whatever you call it, I, I call it free writing, by the way, I think it's been the single most important thing to my intellectual and emotional development. So free writing, like he references there, is this may be a slightly uh, different form as uh, he references uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, but it's uh, within the same vein, within the same idea of writing down and working through your thoughts on paper. And I know that free writing in general is uh, a psychological tool uh, used or a tool used by psychologists rather that by the way I believe is part of yeah it definitely is it's part of one of the scenes that I'm going to share with you guys today uh, in a bit I reference it in there because as, as you guys saw from the first book those of you that read it I like to intertwine you know it's a fiction it's a novel based around time travel but I do like to intertwine real facts and real ideas uh, within the story. And the idea of free writing is one of them. Now, I I see where he's going when he says there at the end that, quote, I think it's been the single most important thing to my intellectual and emotional development, end quote. I can't say it's been the single most important for me in terms of uh, free writing, but it's definitely up there and it's definitely the most important I would like package up into in terms of like intellectual and emotional development, I can package up into free writing, writing in general, just expressing myself creatively and this podcast, believe it or not, just blabbing on the mic for an hour or two every couple weeks and contemplating things and having the discipline to uh, continue maintaining it. And putting it out consistently for the the past almost, I think, going on five years now. Prepping for it and the post-production work. It's definitely part of the puzzle for me that helps make up my... And iron out the details of my intellectual and emotional development. But what I found most intriguing, like I said, is the beginning piece, which he says, quote... I always write down my initial thought first, but then question it afterwards with slight detachment and consider different perspectives. I think with slight detachment and consider different perspectives is what stands out most to me. It's that willingness of being objective and the understanding of knowing that your initial thought may be wrong, may be incorrect. And that's without casting judgment on if it was a bad thought or a negative thought. 
those are all more like ego related projections that we allow ourselves to like marry them and then we can't change our first or initial thought because now we're beholden to them because we've allowed for that attachment but if we approach with slight detachment and this could go for at least what i'm applying it to is anything as far as anything you're working on creatively like whether you know is this the direction i should be going you know with the story or is there a better way uh or whether if it's a political debate or just a a general thought about life this approach this method this mentality i feel is a wise approach to ending up on the other side with a more holistic perspective and that's whether your initial thought winds up being one that you change your mind about or one that you double down on because at least the other considerations or some of the other considerations because you're not always going to think about every single angle for every situation ever but you would have included other povs and i feel like made the foundation for your initial thought that much more stable make sense all righty that is the writing tip that i wanted to share with you guys which again can be found at sivers dot org forward slash dj and i'll link to that in the episode notes now what i've been reading i've been reading a book called the 36 hour day which is a family guide to caring for people with alzheimer's disease other dementias and memory loss by nancy l mace m-a and Peter V. Rabbins, MD, MPH. Now, my dad was diagnosed with dementia, I want to say a little over a year now, although it's a little hazy, um, so it could be off. And it's sad. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough thing for families to go through. It definitely has been for us. And less so, I want to say, which I find like some solace in, uh, for the person, in this case, uh, my father that has dementia, just because of the nature of the disease, like they have memory loss, basically. And, you know, for things that you notice, they repeat to you, or questions that they ask over and over, or things that they forget how to do, which is where the, like, logistical, uh, practical issues come in. Because the memory loss is not just like forgetting like old memories. It's like forgetting how to tie your shoes, for example, or having like little glitches where you forget how to walk. And it's a disease that gets progressively uh, worse and worse over time. And I say it's less so for for them, at least I think. Obviously, I'm not in on the other side of of it, but from what I've been able to gather from reading stuff online and and with this book, they don't necessarily internalize or understand or know that they have memory loss or dementia. Like, they don't know that they just asked you the same question two or three minutes ago. 
they will definitely pick up on your frustration if you get like frustrated with them and tell them you know why are you asking me the same thing over again and which will you know like make them feel bad and maybe even confused or get makes them like shut down a bit which is not not good it doesn't aid in their mental well-being but they won't unless they pick up on cues like that they're not going to know that they just ask you the same question or that you know they have dementia but it's definitely sad to witness and you you know you see somebody that that you love that has been like a rock in your life all your life and you see them deteriorating before your eyes you know getting older like we all are and we're all gonna get something or just deteriorate physically but when you have something like this on top of it it you know takes that much more of a toll and you know it's a, a big family effort with everyone you know doing what they can and i try to you know, like, go to all, all my dad's doctor's appointments and ask questions and read whatever I can find online and watch videos and, like, interviews with doctors and stuff like that and podcasts even, actually, uh, related to, to dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff like that. Speaking to other folks that are going through similar things are, I, I think, it is is helpful. And... It's like one of those things I've I've noticed that you you get you not you get you um when you're in it you notice other folks or you find other folks that are that have been through the same or similar situations because uh, I found out like there's two of my coworkers whose parents uh, also have dementia one of them has both their parents uh, with dementia. And the other has just his mom uh, that has dementia, but that she lives far away. Uh, whereas my other coworker that I just mentioned, who both uh, her parents have it, they live with her. So at least she has like a, a close eye on them and has other relatives around. But my coworker, which actually this book was recommended to me by this coworker because his mother's neurologist recommended it to him. And said that he recommends it to the families of all patients that are dealing with a family member having Alzheimer's or dementia. Uh, recommended it to him. Uh, that coworker has his mom living in a different state. And he's constantly like flying back and forth. And she doesn't have um, a husband. He, uh, he has since passed away. And he's an only child. So, you know, he's definitely has it rough, but... You know, he finds it helpful. He tells me all the time that, you know, when, like, he speaks to me and just, like, just to vent, you know, because what I do mostly is, like, listen and, you know, then I tell him some of, uh, like, what I'm going through and we're going through on, on our end with, with my pops. And, you know, you share stories. You know, I told him about the medication that my father was on so that he can speak to her neurologist and see if that's something that she should be on. What else? I shared a a tracking app that we put on my father's phone. That's pretty cool. It's called uh, Life 360. That, you know, folks with dementia could, like, walk out of the house and not remember how to get back. 
and uh, if you have this on their phone, you can literally pinpoint like where they are. Uh, it's like a like a GPS, but you just open the app and it shows you like where they are, where they're walking to, etc. So I've been reading this book and it has a shit ton of information. It's very dense, but very good, very helpful, very applicable, practical information. And it's for all different facets from things to do financially, like like set up a, a power of attorney for the person and making sure it's a durable power of attorney that does not become like invalidated if the person becomes ill or passes away. Uh, things uh, to look out for related to like if the person is is mobile and and is prone to like hurting themselves or hurting hurting others whether it be by driving and ways to you know take their car away from them if it gets to that point like they go as far as uh pointing out that you can actually reach out to the department of motor vehicles in your state explain to them the situation uh, provide a letter from a doctor stating that the person's with dementia and then they'll issue a like an age-related test um, uh, request, like request that the person go in for a routine age-related test and then let them know that, you know, because they have dementia, they can't be driving anymore, etc. Um, they also put me in touch, the book, with the Alzheimer's Association, which is like a nationwide, I don't know, maybe even worldwide, but definitely nationwide organization, which a bunch of different chapters... And they have, like, physical meetup locations and recommend, you know, like, group therapy type of things, which, you know, we haven't done, but also has, like, tons of articles and tells you about new medications related to dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff like that and uh, helpful helpful guides of, um, you know, having a medical risk wristband on the person is something else that... that uh, came up in the book and you can put like emergency contact information on that wristband and you know put something like prone to memory loss or something like that so if they do get lost one day and they have that on them the you know somebody that is interacting with them you know sees the medical band that has like a like that medical logo like that not pharmacy logo but like a I don't know how to explain it, but a medical logo, when you see it, you know what it is. It's, like, in front of hospitals and stuff. And under, like, you know, the they'll flip it over or sometimes right on top of it, it'll say, it'll have, like, the contact information and what the person has and stuff like that. Um, What else? Let me see what I wrote down, actually, from the book. Uh, It's important also when someone, this is from the book, when someone shows signs of like forgetfulness and you think that they might have a dementia or even if they're diagnosed with it, make sure that the doctor and laboratory tests um, tested for the following, which can be things that the person has wrong, which are easy fixes, relatively easy fixes versus, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's, which is uh, non-reversible and a progressive disease, these are relatively easy fixes that show up in similar ways that dementia and Alzheimer's do. So make sure that the laboratory tests 
for a vitamin deficiency because that's one thing that could have the person like forgetful especially at older ages a thyroid test to make sure that's on point a cbc test for anemia uh liver and kidney problems and a what's called a vdrl test for syphilis if they can rule out all that stuff then the the diagnosis of of dementia and alzheimer's makes that much more sense or is that much more uh it's that much more clear that it is that uh what else what else did i get from the book uh something big which uh i used and and i I found helpful and practical is they say in the book that the the key is simplification to minimize clutter and create routines that you do not break because breaking routines can cause upsets and flare-ups of of symptoms. So one of the things that the book explains is that folks with Alzheimer's, for example, won't uh, want to take showers as frequently because they become overwhelmed with the idea of taking a shower and thinking about all the processes that lead up to taking a shower that may seem like nothing to us and you know we take for granted because it's you know something that's just become muscle memory at this point right we do it every day but in the mind of someone that has alzheimer's or dementia they start thinking of having to turn on the hot water then having to turn on the cold water and having to make sure it's at the right temperature and then taking off their shoes and then untying their shoes and then their socks and then the left sock or the right sock first and then taking off the pants and where do I put the belt? And, you know, they they break it down into so many steps that it becomes overwhelming. And then they, they're just like, fuck it, I don't want to take a shower. And it, like, scares them away from that. So the book recommends to let them know, you know, let's go take a shower or you should go take a shower. But guide them along the way and give them step-by-step instructions. Like, take off your shoes. Okay, now take off your socks. All right, take off take off your shirt. Cool, okay. Take off your pants, you know, like that, step by step. And, you know, it's a good idea to, like, turn on the water for them, help them shower if you need to. Um, but that's the way you, like, de-escalate that mental stimula- stimulation that they have from feeling overwhelmed and help get done what needs to get done. And the book has a ton of other advice for family members to... Make sure they remember that the person has a disease. You know, it's not that they are purposely repeating things to you to, like, make you frustrated and angry. Um, You shouldn't feel bad if they forget something about you and not take it personally. Understand that it is a disease. It is something that's literally fucking with their brain. And it's important, too, when you feel stressed and frustrated and... Dealing with these situations, you take a step back, take a breather, take some time for you, unwind, do you know, do something that helps you unwind generally, whether it's exercise, taking a walk, writing, podcasting, dancing, whatever it is. It's important because if you're just a ball of stress that just becomes exacerbated whenever you're around the person or or the situation it's that much more unhealthy for the person and for yourself and it's of no 
help or use to anyone and has a ton of other stuff like he goes into things that uh like a lot of different facets of dementia that at least we're not dealing with with my dad but like some people like to like strip naked and walk around naked in the street uh because they literally forget the like social norms of not you know being in the underwear or naked in the street some people get like sexually stimulated around people and you know it and it gives you like ways to deal with like all that type of stuff it's a again a, a very dense well put together book at least from you know my novice perspective and in being the first time dealing with something like this and it's put together by two doctors and it's a like a john's from a john's hopkins like study as well if i'm not mistaken or something like that is like some sort of john's hopkins affiliation um uh what else and that's pretty much it man i'll link to the book in the episode notes again it's called the 36 hour day a family guide to caring for people who have alzheimer's disease other dementias and memory loss by nancy l mace ma and peter v rabins md mph hopefully you don't need it but if you do it'll definitely help Next up is ad marketing. Wow, this uh, this podcast went longer than I thought so far. Or oh, it's going to wind up being like a longer episode than I thought it would have been. The All right, so I tried some more ad marketing. Like I told you guys in, I believe it was the, I want to say, it's definitely one of the free writing session episode podcasts. Well, actually, no, let me take that back. It might not be. It might be the episode that I dedicated only to Fractal like how I wrote this novel and I shared, I don't know, in neither that one or one of the free writing session episodes after that one, which there's probably like one or two, maybe three. Um, you'll find, if interested, the results of my first round of ad marketing or marketing, uh, paid marketing for my book. And that was through Free Booksy and also another site whose name is escaping me now but again reference one of the, uh that previous episode for a full breakdown and information there so i did a second round of promotional marketing and this time instead of and by the way the first round was very successful i was happy with it it didn't yield as many uh reviews as i wanted it to being that you know it was a free promotion but it absolutely yielded a shit ton of downloads. And it was like over, when all said and done, like over 3,000, maybe 4,000 downloads of the book. And it did yield, to date, I would say about 10 uh, reviews between uh, Goodreads and Amazon, which is not too bad. Not too shabby, actually. I just, for some reason, like wanted those reviews more so on Amazon than I did on Goodreads. I don't know why. And I don't know why they're not combined. Because Amazon owns Goodreads. So I feel like those reviews should be combined. Anyway. Because it's like too much to ask people to oh, review my book on Amazon. But also review it on Goodreads. Oh, you reviewed it on Goodreads? Go review it on Amazon as well. It's like people don't want to do reviews as is. Let alone do two for the same thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway. So that promotion went well. I broke down like the cost of it and what the the results it, that it yielded and stuff like that. So again, 
check out that previous episode. But this go around, I decided to do instead of a free promotion, I wanted to try a dollar promotion. So I dropped the book from its current price of two ninety nine for the digital version. The paperback version is available on and continues to be at nine dollars and eighty eight cents. You can check it out if uh, you'd like. A link to it is in the episode notes. You can find it on Amazon. But the di- digital version is f- at two ninety nine. But for this promotion, I dropped it down to ninety nine cents. So I figured a dollar. Let me try this promotion. So the way it works is that since it's not free, it's not through Freebooksy, but it's uh, the same company, if I'm not mistaken. But it's called Bargain Booksy instead. It's either the same company or an affiliated company. That this one is where the books are marketed for being at a discounted value. So I purchased a $35 package for Bargain Booksy to email blast 90 plus thousand of specific sci-fi reader of their specific uh, sci-fi readership and fans of sci-fi novels with the fact that my book is discounted to 99 cents and they can pick it up. It works the same exact way as the other promotion worked, except the other promotion was for the, for the free booksy was, I believe it was 70 bucks and it reached more. It reached, I would say like a hundred and something thousand folks, maybe like 150, 170, I want to say 135, something like that. But anyway, the two things happen with this promotion. It generated over four days, 18 purchases. So it was a very underwhelming result in terms of purchases. And it also yielded zero new reviews from at least that I could, you know, like tie with a direct line to that promotion. You know, it could be some of the the reviews that I've gotten of late. Maybe it was um, based on that promotion. And somebody just took their time, like, reading the book. But nothing significant that, that I noticed. What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, and also, when dropping your price from two ninety nine to $0.99, cents, you also drop your royalties from 70% royalty at the two ninety nine price point to a 35% royalty at the 99 cent price point. So basically you're making 35 cents off the dollar as opposed to making 70 cents when you have it at a 70% royalty, which you cannot have it at when you drop the price below 299. That's why, by the way, so many digital books are priced at a minimum of 299 on Amazon. So anyway... That's the results of my second round of marketing. And from what I knew going into it is that there was a chance that it wouldn't be successful as it proved not to be because the uh, bargain discount books are usually uh, more profitable for folks that have many more reviews. I think it's like 25 plus reviews or 10 or 15 plus reviews something like that on Amazon directly. Because other folks see that, 
they play off the strength of the reviews and they're more likely to purchase. Being that I do not have that, I have the bulk of my reviews on Goodreads, which is I think is at 10 uh, reviews now and only one review on Amazon. Which, by the way, folks, if you've read the book, if you liked it, even if you didn't like it, put up a review. Give me some feedback on Amazon, preferably. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of sort of knew that going in. And yeah, I don't think I will be doing one of the Bargain Booksy um, advertisements for a while. I would definitely try it again in the future. Especially once I finish this second novel and then the, eventually the third and have the trilogy knocked, locked down and have just like a repeatable marketing plan around them that I can, you know, pretty much put on autopilot. Bargain Booksy will more than likely be roped into that, like, process. But until then, I'll stick to Free Booksy, probably run another one of those before just to try to uh, generate more downloads and, and re again, reviews before I, which I'm contemplating taking the book off from the, the KU uh, Kindle Unlimited uh, exclusivity, at least maybe for, because it's in, in like three month batches, like once you, 90 day batches, once you sign up for KU, you're locked in to the exclusivity for 90 days then you have the the option to opt out and you can opt back in whenever so i might opt out try a few months going wide with the single novel see how that goes maybe stay wide if it goes well and then if not maybe go back to ku in preparation for the release of the second novel etc i don't know who knows I'm just spitballing, thinking off the top of my head. Anyway, that's how my ad marketing went with the second round. And that's all I got to say about that. Now for the moment that all half dozen of you have been waiting for. I'm going to share with you the first three scenes of the second book continuation of my debut novel, Fractal, which ended on if I do say so myself, an unexpected, even to me, surprise cliffhanger ending. And I say even to me, happily, because I was thinking of a way to end it. You know, I, I spent a while, definitely several days, I want to say even a couple weeks, maybe even more than that, just, you know, not knowing how to end it, not knowing how to end the story, trying to figure out a not necessarily a surprise ending but definitely something that'll you know hook a reader in to want to continue reading the series obviously but also make it a graceful ending at the same time and then when it eventually hit me i was like yep that's it that's definitely what i'm going with and it's awesome and i like it and i'm proud of it and everyone that i've asked that I have like personal contact with. That's one of the first questions that I ask them is if they saw the ending coming, because they say or I've read that if you as the writer are surprised by a scene or an event or 
you know, something that you as the writer didn't see coming, like while you're writing like your characters or your story, then that's a very good indication that the reader doesn't see it coming either. And, you know, if your reader sees everything that you're writing coming from a mile away, it's going to be a boring read for them, right? So you want to keep them entertained. You want to keep them at the edge of their seats. You want to immerse them in your story. So it's been exciting for me with the people that I've asked, like my, my sister-in-law is one and a couple of coworkers, and they've told me that they didn't expect that ending. So it's kind of like a, I feel like a little writing victory for me. Anyways, I digress. Let me jump into, from there, what I have so far. Again, spoiler alert, kind of, but not really, because this might not be what ends up in the beginning of book two, but very well could be. But what you should be weary about is the fact that this is first draft, completely raw. I definitely have some notes to myself within the writing. Because, like, I'm writing, writing, writing. Then I'll put, like, something in parentheses within the same paragraph saying, you know, remember to check if in book one, so-and-so's name was really X. And, like, stuff like that just for, like, continuity purposes. And just, like, general, like, ideas I'll write down for myself or value shifts that I want to have within a certain scene. And by value shifts, I mean the editing tool that i learned via the story grid podcast that you want each scene to end on the opposite charge that the next one will end at so if us if us and by charge I'm, I'm i mean positive and negative you want the sentiment of a scene to be or what happens in the scene to let's say the scene starts off as positive but then something negative happens within the scene so by the end it ends negative so that means the next scene has to begin negative and then end positive and then the next scene after that begins positive and ends negative like that and that's how you keep like this ebb and flow momentum of a story pushing forward so i have to remember to write the scene in within like that type of vein and generally in that direction and if you guys know the way i write I don't have the full story plotted out. I'm writing as I go along. I am letting the characters speak amongst themselves as I do. And let them flesh out the story. That sounds kind of like weird and creepy, but I assure you I'm not the only person that writes in this. Let the muse speak through me type of I'm just the antenna for this story type of way <laughs> you know what i mean it's a very very popular writing method and i think on a practical level it's a way to allow yourself to to just get out of your own way and not like have your ego tied into it so much because then you like never write anything and you want every single word that comes out of you to be perfect and when you like allow yourself this kind of like loophole of freedom you just blurt out everything and anything that comes to mind but within the focus of what you're trying to write and accomplish and the characters really do 
like take on lives of their own the more you're with them the more you're contemplating and thinking and writing the story you pick up on different tones for different characters and you write in those tones for specifically those characters you develop different ways of speaking uh, for each character which is important also for continuity to make sure you don't have a character that says what up bro you know nine times out of ten they see someone and then the tenth time he says hey what's up guy or something you know what i mean like i'm oversimplifying there but hopefully you get my point anyway why do i keep stalling let me jump right in now for real this time all right scene one and remember this is i wrote it purposefully as like a direct link like a direct like it's what happens after the last scene in book one so the way i have it now it's like it's a little bit past that you know very first scene oh, i'm sorry that very last scene when the team is like at their headquarters and brands just you know dropped the bomb that astria is hector's mother or that he believes that it's hector's mother and i start off book two with hector charlie and laura driving to hector's mother's house and then i flash back within this scene to the literal the literal moment when brands shares that news with the team and just to see like the immediate reactions of everyone after the fact and then i flash back to when they are in front of hector's mother's house and this is what i have so far i have to record audiobook by the way but you know (laughs) i know i'm stalling again before i record an audiobook which i'm most likely going to do through acx i want to because remember for book two i'm actually going to use professional editing which i did not use for book one and that was actually one of the i think i have two reviews that reference editing so it is something that's definitely picked up on and that's a, a lesson that i wanted to learn the hard way to compare to actually using a professional editor and just to have the comparison of what the two processes are like in retrospect and i think the review said something along the lines at least the one that i remember something along the lines of uh tony ortiz has like promised as a writer it's a good story etc but definitely needs some is in desperate need for professional editing or line editing or something like that and then she signed it as Michaela, professional editor for hire. Now let me stop. <laughs> I added that last piece. All right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess this is what doing the actual audiobook is going to feel like. That's why I brought that up. Scene one, book two. We drove up to the front of my mom's house. Charlie parked and shut off the ignition. Laura turned back to me from the passenger seat and asked, Are you ready for this? I was staring out the window to the world slash reality. There, by the way, I I wrote it like that with like world slash reality, not because I'm going to leave that in, but because I don't know which word I'm going to feel 
works best there but that's like the point i want to get across they has like a like a thousand miles there uh where was i i was staring out the window to the world slash reality that i wasn't ready to confront i'm not sure about all these guys i responded hesitantly come on bro said charlie we've been through this we've been through all this already i know how hard it must be said laura but don't forget this is your mother in there not some stranger go find out the answers to all your questions you owe each other that much yeah man and we'll be right here if you need us said charlie from the moment brands told us the news i couldn't even pretend to be objective and then here's the point where i flash back to the moment in when they're in the warehouse so right now in real time they're in the car hector's being hesitant and Laura and Charlie are trying to convince him to go in and speak to his mother, who may possibly be Astria. So I flash back, and I literally copy the, the last paragraph from the end of book one, which reads, Brant had a projector on his laptop that was so small, you wouldn't have known it was there, and it didn't need a screen. It projected 8K clear images, and videos into the air like holograms. It was like something out of the movie Minority Report. He pulled up a grainy photo that seemed to have been taken from a video feed. He began to zoom in on someone and crystallize the image. You could hear a pin drop in that room. It was so quiet. Then Hector broke the silence. But wait, that's... Astrid's your mother. Then I continue within this flashback scene of what happened immediately after Brands responded with Astra's your mother. And I wrote, what? Asked Hector. And I put in parentheses, or is it first person? And I should put, I asked. That's something I still have to work out the, the narrative point of view. I think I'm going to do this one exclusively first person from Hector's point of view. The other one I tried to play with first person but omniscient at the same time and I'm not sure if I'm skilled enough as a writer or seasoned enough as a writer to really pull that off. But we'll see. What? asked Hector. I have reason to believe that Astria is your mother, responded Brands. This was one of those moments the entire team was trying to digest simultaneously. The tension thick. The anticipation, palatable. Sorry, palpable. Where was I? The tension thick. The anticipation, palpable. No, she's not, Hector replied. Do you know that for sure? Laura asked Hector. No, but that's not something she would have kept from me. Really? How many people did you loop in to the fact that when you dream, you could travel through time? Brands asked earnestly a couple actually responded hector and she was one of them he has a point though hector said miguel none of us are that open about our skippability we deny it at first try telling close friends or, or relatives and as soon and then soon realize that we sound crazy to them and even to ourselves once we utter the actual words she would have told me, 
especially when I opened up to her about it. We had that type of relationship. We spoke about everything. Maybe she couldn't open up to you about this, said Brands. Yeah. Maybe she was threatened or something, said Charlie. You never know. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves, said Miguel. Why do you think she's Astria? The project that I'm working, that I'm currently taking a deep dive into, and then I put a blank because I don't remember what I named that project when I referenced it in the first book, so I got to go back to that, fill that in, etc. But yeah, Brands continues. The project that I'm currently taking a deep dive into, blank, that I've told some of you about, has an unparalleled historical record. Like nothing we've ever seen. You can literally punch in a date, time, and person's name, and within seconds, you'll be streaming that person's feed. Some folks have even been chipped. Chipped? What's that? asked Brooke. It's a small incision behind the lower ear by the earlobe, responded Brands. It allows for a tiny but powerful chip to be implanted. They've only run this on a pilot group of 12. Your mother, who I believe to be Astria, was the third. How does any of this make her Astria? asked Hector. It doesn't. But it does give an explanation for why she was never able to confide with you about skipping. I'm not sure if I buy that, said Hector. Wait, let's back up for a minute, said Miguel. What's the purpose of this implant? To track people? Tracking is definitely one of its functions, but totally secondary, responded Brands. I mean, tracking and monitoring people has been done for years via our voluntary cell phone and social media usage. A primary function of this is individualized data mining. Imagine the most reliable, accurate, unbiased data set ever collected on a human being. An implant that can monitor what you see, taste, hear, smell, touch, and more. Much more so. Your reactions to such things. Did you enjoy the smell of that burger when you walked by the restaurant? Maybe we'll sell that info in real time to an ad agency that can make sure you hear or see a burger commercial on one of your devices. Did that song you hear elevate your heart rate in excitement ever so slightly? Maybe the music streaming services that are competing for your attention might find that level of visceral data useful too. This way they can curate a personal playlist for you. Do you guys know how much that's worth? There's endless applications of this tech. It's an internet level infrastructure, but for advertising anything to anyone all of your biomarkers will be under constant monitoring as a consumer you'd relish the ability to know of impending heart disease so you can work to prevent it and i'm sure big pharma would jump at the chance to detect mig a migraine coming on and start showing you ads for the latest drugs interrupted hector exactly responded brands Picture being able to target voters with a more liberal message because the feedback you have from the conservative-leaning message they last saw was negative, Laura said. Absolutely, said Brands. And look, Hector, I know it's a lot to take in, but 
what's at stake is monumental and permanent. It's the end of privacy as we know it. Hector, Laura said, at the very least, it's a chance to see your mother again, in person. Most of us never get that chance. Coming from someone that wishes with all her heart that she had the opportunity, I suggest you take it. All right, so that's the end of the flashback scene or the flashback piece of the scene. And then I jump back to the car. So remember, Hector is in the car in the back seat with Laura in the passenger seat and Charlie's driving. All right, fuck it. I'll see you guys in a bit. I said as I got out of the car. I walked up to the house and turned around to Laura and Charlie who were waiting in the car for me. They gave me an urgent go ahead, look, and hand wave. I reached out to ring the bell. My mom came to the door as if she were expecting me, sport, sporting an infectious ear-to-ear smile. It's about time you came back home, she said. Mom, I... I'm sorry. I said after struggling to find the words. Don't you apologize for anything, she said. As she grabbed and pulled me in for a long hug. You have absolutely nothing to be sorry about. ¿Entiendes? Si, señora. I missed you so much. You have no idea how many times I wanted to just run over here. How many times I could have used your advice. I know how you must have felt. I do. And trust me, there were many times I stared at this door wishing I could will you into coming through it. But I also knew the position you were in and how pure your intentions were. You're home now, kiddo. That's all that matters to me. Come in. We have a lot of catching up to do. And that is how I wrapped up the first scene. Now let me jump to scene two, which I have here for you folks, which is a little shorter. And then scene three is even shorter than scene two. So bear with me if you're not liking the story. And if you are liking the continuation of the story, I'm glad. All right, so scene two. My mom had a way of making difficult decisions seem easy. She had me thinking why I was so hesitant to come over in the first place. I'm glad the team convinced me to do so. I was adamantly against it at first. I felt a sense of betrayal, hurt, and just general confusion. They helped me take the time I needed to take things in and sort them out. They were removed enough from the emotions of the situation to see the bigger picture. So I factored that in and agreed on the strength of their convictions. Now I'm glad I did it. Mom, can you skip too? Can you skip time too? Yes, Hector, I can, she responded. Are you Astria? No, she responded. You are. What? I asked in disbelief, thinking she must have misheard my question. We all are. All of us fighting for what's just and right are. Astria is a way of life. Astria is a manifestation of justice in any form. Why didn't you tell me? You knew exactly what I was going through. 
You knew how confused I was, and you could have helped with all of it. Do you have any idea how hard it was to have to leave you and make it back to this point? I know exactly how hard it was for you. I also know how much harder things would have become had you stayed. I was too close to Transit's all, too close to Feinstein, to try and stop him myself. I was under constant surveillance by him and his staff, which included Robert, by the way. And for those of you who may not remember, Robert was the stepfather in book one. What? I responded. I knew something was off with that guy. Where's he now? He's not living here anymore. I broke it off after you successfully stopped the transitol proliferation. His heart was in the right place, though. In the earlier days of skipping, he lost his brother from one day to the next. With little to no knowledge of what really happened. They didn't know then what we know now. He thought that the same could happen with me. With you. So he's not a bad man. Just misguided. And I put in bold that piece of him losing his brother uh, to skipping because... I think I wrote in like that uh, the possibility of this checking out to be true in book one. Like if there's, but I'm not positive because there's a scene where Hector is rummaging through Feinstein's like files in book one. And this is when he's initially, uh, you know, like kept overnight. And Feinstein was going to come back the next day, etc. And he, like, broke out of the, like, the little cell while the security guard chick was, like, sleeping in the front. And he's, like, going through files. And that's, and I believe, but I have to go back and read and double check, again, for continuity, that I wrote in the stepfather, Robert, having a file there. Like, as a, as a previous patient, as an older patient that didn't come up on the computer, but came up in the physical files. But I have to double check that. And if that's the case then, you know, leave this in accordingly. But if it's not the case, I would have to, if I want to keep this, which is kind of technically like a, not big plot point, but like semi-big, because I'm technically like writing off this character. Um, Unless I find like some use for him later on. Because if not, then, you know, it'll just be like dead weight in the book. Um... But yeah, if not, then I have to find a, a different way to work that in, in a way that'll check off uh, to be true. And then Hector continued, how are you holding up? I asked her, concerned since he and I had been her only real companionship since my father passed. Oh, I'm fine, kiddo. Don't you worry. It was time. He was a decent man, but transitol, ironically enough, was the only thing keeping us together. He was tracking my dosages and reporting back to Feinstein. He thought I didn't know, but he was as transparent as an outspoken thought. Had he known what I was capable of and that I wasn't just a run-of-the-mill skipper, I surely wouldn't be here right now. And honestly, you may not have been either. So even though... It was the hardest decision I've ever had to make. 
I had to play the long game and double down on wanting to be, quote, cured. Doing so is what kept me alive, you safe, and also facilitated a pathway for you to come into your own while righting his wrongs in the process. I'm so proud of you, baby. And I just realized she wouldn't really call him baby. She would call him kiddo. Because that's what she calls him. Because that's what his father used to call him. So I just changed that. Alright. Uh, thanks, Ma. I responded. But I couldn't have done any of it without the, the rest of the team I'm a part of. They took me in, showed me the ropes, and really made me feel like part of them, you know? Well, they're lucky to have you, she responded. But I'm glad you found a good group. There's a lot of out there that exploit novice skippers and just focus on personal gain. Yeah, I've been to a few of those types of folks, I responded. But let me ask you something. How do you know that I'd wind up working on Transital? Or that I'd get with the team that even cared about it? First off, I raised you to be responsible. And to have the ability to discern right from wrong. But honestly... I didn't know who do you wind up bonding with. I knew Miguel's involvement with Dr. Feinstein and that it was possible you'd wind up with him and his team. And I knew that it's a group known for doing some noble work, but I was worried about how and if you'd be able to reconcile Miguel selling information to Dr. Feinstein. Then there were the other teams and team members that were in the same situation, but to varying degrees. There's a myriad of ways this could have all worked out, or not. But it did. And you're here, alive and well, with the support of a solid team behind you. I really am proud of you, kiddo. And I know your father would be too. And even with all the uncertainty, I can't say I'm totally surprised either. Where do we go from here, Mom? Well, she responded, now we work on saving slash changing the world. And that's how I ended scene two. Again, the slash saving slash changing the world. I'm not sure what I'm going to use there exactly. And that statement in and of itself sounds a bit grandiose, but we'll see if that makes the final cut later on. And lastly, scene three that I have to share with you folks. And at the top, I wrote down, because what I want to do with this book, with book two, is initially I had this idea, like similar to in Back to the Future 2, where the second story goes into and intertwines with the first one. And I still want to try to find a way to do that, but it probably won't be a prominent, I'm not sure how to show that in a book. And if I do find a way in, I probably won't be a prominent part of of the story. But aside from doing that, what I want to do is tackle certain real-life issues that are going on now in like a social commentary type of way. And have the team work on things like prison reform and election rigging or something like that and lobbyists and and just things that i 
may think of as or see as like fundamentally negative and like strains on a on a certain system and have them work on changing those things and then show the before and afters which should serve in and of itself as like a social commentary and pathway of something society could really do in a way to approach certain of those ills in our society and i like that approach with this cast of characters because even though i plan to like wrap this up as a trilogy like this could become a deep what's called a deep series so i'm definitely going to wrap it up at three but leave a small opening to be able to one day write a fourth and a fifth and a sixth book with the same cast of characters with the same world that i'm building and just have them going back and tackling the social injustices of you know five ten fifteen years from now whatever they may be so i like that type of approach for book two because it'll set the stage to be able to do that in the future as an option you know options are a beautiful thing so if i could find a way to creatively pull that off it'll be great and that's uh what i'm going to strive to do all right so scene three the end of it so first i have some notes up top which i'll share with you folks that says how does this scene end negative so i got to figure out that's just to remind myself of the the value shift there and to end the scene on a negative note and again the scene is not over yet this is pretty much like half a scene that i have so far but i say how does this scene end negative then I put another note, introduction of big initiative that they fail at, spoiler alert, ending, which is probably going to be like uh, some sort of attempt to end the chip monitoring that Brant's brought up. And then somehow the smaller initiatives that they do decide to focus on succeed at, like the prison reform, etc., help align them up to somehow learn things from those initiatives and apply them to attempting the previously failed initiative again and possibly being successful at it then i wrote another note saying index cards about private prisons prison guard unions police training etc and index cards about healthcare show overlaps that allow for two-way corruption and this may be a way in to be able to dip back into book one the way i mentioned that i wanted to do and this uh, index card idea is something that i believe i shared but actually maybe i haven't yet as uh one of the the writing tips but ryan holiday the writer shared and he has in the past as well like his method to writing books which is also Robert Greene's method, which is the writer of books like The 40 Laws of Power and Mastery. They do their research and write things down on index cards. So they'll read up all about, let's say, in my case, I want to do this uh, related to private prisons. And they'll read articles and books and, and interview, watch interviews and stuff about, let's say in this instance, the private prisons. And just write different things down on index cards. And have, you know, boxes of index cards and sections related to only private prisons. So you can pull up a, 
index cards while you're writing and take the information from there that you that you jotted down on an index card and try to keep like a single thought or idea or nugget of information per business card um sorry per index card and then use that to enrich and fill in uh when you're writing about the private prison section of the story for example and that is going to be part of the research that i do for fulfilling that goal so that's just like a little reminder to myself all right so what i have an actual writing for scene three besides those notes is so how'd it go asked laura so this is when hector leaves his mother's house and he's back in the car so how'd it go said asked laura is she astra asked charlie i'm not sure i responded i don't think so though she said astra is in all of us and is the embodiment of justice or something along those lines that's such an Astria thing to say, Laura added while she looked over at Charlie and they both smiled wide-eyed with nervous excitement. So what happens now? I asked while suddenly staring out the window. Well, I guess that really depends on your mom. I mean, we'll still continue doing what we do, but maybe she can add some insight and direction. Laura replied. So you expect her to join our team? Charlie asked with doubtful, with a doubtful expression on his face. No, of course not. It's Astria we're talking about. Nor do I expect us to drop everything we do and join up with her, replied Laura. Cheer up back there, by the way. Charlie added. Why? You won the skipper's lottery. How do you figure? I asked. You get to continue skipping and still have a relationship with your mother, Charlie replied. Yeah, Hector, Laura said as she turned around and locked eyes with me. That's not nothing. It's actually a big deal. I ruminated in the backseat quietly the rest of the way. When we got back, the rest of the team naturally had questions. I can't blame them. I would too. I caught them up on how things went but they must have picked up on the fact that I was still processing everything. Listen, Hector, we don't have to get into this today, said Jake. Yeah, take your time for sure, added Miguel. Whenever you're ready, we're here. With that, even though it was still the middle of the afternoon, I called it a night. I grabbed the notebook and decided to free write my thoughts into it. This is the part I was referring to, by the way, guys, when I said that... I referenced free writing in this story so far. Uh, where was I? I'm almost done, by the way. There's only like two paragraphs left. Uh, free write my thoughts into it. It's a method used by creative writers to come up with and flesh out story ideas. It's also been prescribed by psychologists to help patients externalize mental blocks. My mom taught me how to do it, and it's basically putting pen to paper and writing down whatever comes to mind without concern for structure and, and punctuation. It's a cathartic way to mentally sort things out and extract some peace of mind from even the most stressful types of situations. And then I show what he actually 
free wrote, which I actually did free write, and might leave as is if it works like in the story, but might adjust it a bit. And he wrote, I didn't know what to expect when I saw you again. Actually, part of me didn't even want to go see you. Obviously, I want to see you, spend time with you, but I knew it'll never be the way it was before. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. But that's what I was terrified about finding out. It turns out that you made it much easier to take it all in and process. I'm grateful and thankful for you having that ability. Where we go from here is still unclear and hazy to me, though. I guess that's what I can attribute my lingering unease to. I don't like how nebulous you being about the whole Astria thing. You're either her or you're not. Or am I off about that, too? If recent history is any indication, maybe there's a bigger plan at work. But if so, can you design me? But if so, can you design me knowing into your plan? I'm your son. I'm your son. I'm your son. And that's how I ended it. Obviously, he's free writing and trying to figure shit out with his mother and all the new information that he has received and is processing it. And that is what I have so far for book number two, the continuation of my debut novel, Fractal, which is available now on Amazon, and it's definitely linked in the episode notes of this episode. You guys should check it out, and if you do, I'd appreciate it if you review it. But that's it. That's all I got for you guys with this long-ass episode that I definitely did not expect to be this long, but... uh I hope you hope you guys appreciate it. Definitely stick around for a bit and listen to a way or two that you can help support the sponsored podcast that I'd appreciate. Again, my name is Tony Ortiz. This is episode 133 of the sponsored podcast, and I appreciate you guys for listening. Donde aún es limpio el aire Y los sueños más reales Que plantarle cara a la verdad Cuánta gente joven cada día Quiere conseguir un poco más Con los puños apretados En la suerte confiados Y solo algunos lo conseguirán Yo tengo claro Que en esta vida Nadie te da nada de más Que cuando encuentre salida marcha adelante no mires nunca atrás junto a mí ahora tú 
Would you like to receive a short email from me once a week? You know that feeling you have on a Monday at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except for lunch? Have no fear, the Midday Monday Boost Letter is here. In this short weekly newsletter, you will receive five things. One is a photograph of the week from a photographer, a podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts, dozens and dozens of podcasts, hundreds of episodes, and I cherry pick the best ones and I share them with you here. You'll also receive a video of the week, which could be anything from a rap battle to a TED talk. You receive a quote of the week, something to let marinate in your mind, and a word of the week so that you and I can both step up our vocab. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, check it out. Check out the subscribe page at spuntray.com forward slash subscribe. Drop in your email address and you'll receive the very next one. For any writers or creatives out there, I have a questionnaire. It's a five question questionnaire that anyone is free to fill out. It's located at spuntray.com forward slash questionnaire. And what it is, is five open-ended questions related to your craft. It's things like what inspires you to write or create whenever you don't feel the inspiration to do so. What are your favorite apps or tools or tricks to trick yourself into getting into the mind state of actually creating what inspires you, etc., etc., stuff like that. And what I do with your responses is share them on a future episode of the podcast. Now you can choose to remain anonymous. If you choose to, you have that option right there when you fill out the questionnaire. And if you do not choose to remain anonymous, I give you a shout out on the podcast and promote for free, whatever it is that you have going on. So I appreciate you in advance for sharing that with me, as well as the rest of the listeners of the Sponsor Today podcast, which would stand to gain from you filling out the questionnaire. Now, you can help support the podcast in a myriad of ways. One way which does not cost you anything and is most popular within the podcasting community is by shopping on Amazon using my affiliate links banner. So the way that works is you go to spontaneity.com forward slash affiliate links or just click on the affiliate links tab at the top center of the page. And there you will see a banner for Amazon. You literally just click on that and it takes you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra, but Amazon will give me a kickback just for driving traffic to their website. So that would be a big help. It literally costs you nothing extra financially, just costs you a couple of extra clicks of your mouse before you do your Amazon shopping. The iTunes banner that's on that same page works the same way. So if you're purchasing music or movies or whatever it is on iTunes, feel free to go through my affiliate link portal there as well. If you want to make a one-time uh, PayPal donation, feel free to do so. There's a PayPal donation button on there as well. Within that same tab, you'll also find a link to the Spun Today Viral Style Store. Now, the Viral Style Store is a store where you can get Spun Today merch, whether it's a coffee mug or a t-shirt that I personally designed. And spoiler alert, I'm no... I'm no Ralph Lauren or, you know, whoever designs Gucci stuff, <laughs> but I did create the design of those shirts myself. I have a couple t-shirts on there. One that says, for example, right need every day, which is a playoff of Snoop, Dre and Nate Dogs. smoke weed every day. So it's right need every day. 
with like a puff cloud of smoke behind it. I have a podcast versus everybody t-shirt and uh, just stuff like that. So check it out. The link to the viral style store is also there. You can also help support the podcast on a reoccurring basis if you become a Patreon supporter. Now, Patreon is pretty cool and it's there's a little um, video explanation of what it is and how it works, but I'll try to do my best to summarize it here. Basically, you sign on to Patreon, which is a free service for your account, and you can support not just myself, but any other uh, podcasters or creatives that also have Patreon pages. And you can choose to, for example, donate a dollar to them on a per episode basis. So the Sponsor Day podcast has two uh, episodes a month. So if you donate a dollar to it, it'll be two dollars a month, basically. And you set it up and it just happens automatically on a reoccurring basis. There are zero fees. You can cancel at any time. No hassle, no bullshit. And it's uh, it's a cool way to help support and is much appreciated. And also, it's not just like a, for example, uh, a PayPal donation, which is just that. But through Patreon, it allows the creator, in this case being myself, to set up a reward system, if you will. So... If you donate a dollar per episode, you are considered a tier one supporter. If you donate three dollars per episode, you are a second tier supporter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it goes up to four tiers, and each tier gets different things. Like uh, tier one gets a free sponsored bookmark and a shout out on the podcast. Tier three gets a uh, gets those two things from tier one as well as. A free writing piece that's not posted on on my website or available to anyone else etc etc so check that out if you will and uh, visit my patreon page at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash spun today another great amazing way to help support the podcast is to rate and review it this costs you absolutely nothing whether you listen on itunes on stitcher on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, on Pocket Casts, on Overcast, on Player FM, on Google Play, on YouTube, on Tumblr, or if you listen on Podbay or any other of your favorite podcast apps, please rate and review the episode. It really is the number one way to help the show gain traction, gain exposure. You know, you could also share it with friends and family and tell them, you know, check out what this idiot is saying. Some of it is actually pretty good. Or it all fucking sucks and you should listen and laugh. But as long as you're listening, (laughs) it would be much appreciated. So rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen. Follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Spun Today. Like the Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Subscribe to my YouTube page as well. All podcast episodes are available on YouTube as well as clipped versions for example with the random rant episodes you know i speak about a bunch of different topics instead of having the full episode alone which is also available on youtube but you also have snippets of the different topics broken up into more digestible chunks so check that out you can also support by checking out my book make way for you tips for getting out of your own way it's a quick short read if you're looking for some inspiration and motivation And you can find out more about it at spuntray.com forward slash books. 
There you'll find a video of me telling you all how the book came to fruition, as well as a couple of audio excerpts. If you're interested, you can purchase it wherever books are sold. Kindle, iBooks, Kobo, in ebook or paperback format, which you can find on Amazon. Also, for being a Spun Today listener, I can also send you a free copy. Right there on that same landing page at sponsor.com forward slash books. Drop in your email address at the bottom of the page and I'll shoot you over a copy in the format of your choice. And that's all I got, folks. Thanks again for checking out this episode. And as always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.